0: for a preacher with my personality. I get in my head and I think uh, I need to preach a good message, uh, 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 this and that. I just want to keep things simple this morning. I simply want to prove to you that God loves you. That's all I want to do. And I know that you've heard that But I'm wondering if you believe that, that God loves you, that Jesus loves you. I wanna show you a portion in scripture that resonates with me. I can say God loves you because he died on the cross and that would be true. I can say God loves you because he made you, he formed you. And there's verses in the Bible that says, I knew exactly what you were gonna look like, who you were gonna be before you ever came forth from the womb. I could show you verses in the Bible that say, I, God says, I think about you. I think about you specifically more than there are sand, grains of sand on the sea. But this portion of scripture contains two proofs that resonate with me, two ways that I know God loves me. And I want to give them to you. Do me a favor and find Matthew in your Bible. Now, we're not going to Matthew. Find Matthew. That's that's easier to find. And then you're going to go a little bit to your left. So Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. You're going to go to the last book in the Old Testament, which is Malachi. But we're not preaching from there either. We're going one before that, Zechariah. So if you're looking for Zechariah chapter 3, find Matthew and then go back to Malachi and then go to Zechariah. When you found it, I invite you to stand out of honor for God's word. If you are physically unable, please stay seated. But if you are able, please stand out of respect for God's word. Zechariah chapter three, church members, look around, make sure that everybody has a Bible that they can see. If you are here and you do not have a Bible, please do not leave without a Bible. We have some for you. Just find me in the, in the foyer afterwards and say, I would like a Bible, we will get you one. I wanna make sure that you have one, okay? Zechariah chapter 3 is where we're going to be. This is a vision that Zechariah the prophet is having. There are main characters in this vision. The Lord is a main character. Joshua, the high priest of Israel at this time, is a main character. Zechariah is in the vision himself. And then you have Satan. Four main characters in this vision. And if you can follow along with me. A vision is going to represent something. It's going to illustrate something. This is a poetic description, a a dream, if you will, of what is going on in Israel's history right now. Look at what Zechariah sees in his vision. He showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. We're in a courtroom. This is a vision of a courtroom and you have the Lord as judge, you have Joshua as the defendant and you have Satan standing at the right hand, the right hand of the defendant is the prosecutor and Satan is there to resist Joshua. And the Lord said unto Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Such an important question. We'll look into that in a little bit. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered, the angel answered and spake unto those that stood before Joshua saying, take away the filthy garments from Joshua. And unto him, unto Joshua, he said, behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee and I will clothe thee with change of raiment Zechariah is watching all of this. No, Zechariah speaks up now. And I said, Zechariah says, let them set a fair miter upon his head. So they set a fair miter, I'll explain what that is in a little bit, upon his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua. I have a question for you. Why does the Bible say the angel of the Lord protested? Why, why doesn't it say the angel of the Lord said unto Joshua? Why does it say the angel of the Lord declared unto Joshua? Or the angel of the Lord explained to Joshua? Why does it say protested? Keep that question in your mind. We'll have the answer a little later. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, If thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then thou shalt also judge my house, and shalt also keep my courts. And I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. I want to give you four words from this vision. I'm just going to give them to you now. I was going to wait until the end, but I'm just going to give them to you now. So much, too much. So much, too much. When you leave this place, I want you to remember those four words. So much, too much. I'll explain what I mean. From this vision. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would be with the preaching of your word and use it in any way that you can. We ask that you would work and glorify your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'll give you a little bit to settle in. What are the words? Say them with me. So much, too much. So much, too much. Let me tell you who I'm preaching to. I'm preaching to the one in here. Many of you I know, some of you I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Let me tell you something to begin with. I'm, I'm nobody. I have never changed a life. It's not my job to change a life. You did not come here to listen to me. If you did, you made a grave mistake. I have never changed a life. It's not my job to change a life. It's my job simply to introduce you to somebody who can. I want you to listen. This is for the one who you're smiling on the outside, but you're hurting on the inside. This is for the one I could describe you in so many ways. Maybe you are horrified about anybody finding out about what you're hiding on the inside. This message is for the one, you were promised pleasure and you were promised joy, but all you found is anxiety and depression and hurt. Maybe you have woken up recently and you have found yourself further down the road of sin and deeper in trouble than you ever hoped to be. Maybe you're observing your family falling apart and you don't know what to do. Maybe you've done something and it's come out and it's caused trouble and it's caused hurt and it's caused grief to those who are closest to you and you're trying to figure out how to get back. This message is for you. This message is for the person who has been burned by the very sin that promised them fun. This message is for the person who has been betrayed by the very devil that promised you something much different. This message is for somebody you're observing a life that you wish could look different. That you wish could be changed. Perhaps it's you. And you have everybody else fooled, but you don't have the Lord fooled. Perhaps that's you. Give me your ears just for a little bit. I will give you hope in return. Deal? Listen just for a little bit. There's a lesson that I want to bring out from this vision. And it's a lesson that is made in two statements. And the two statements, if you would guess, contain the four words, so much, too much. And I will give you that at the end. But focus in on this. I'm going to give you a lesson about God that will help you. This God that we read about here is the same God today. And what he did back here, he's revealing his characteristics. This, we don't read this and say, oh, well, good for Joshua. We read this and say, if God could do that for Joshua, he can do that for me. And if you follow along, I'm confident, I'm hopeful, that as we go through the message, it will become more and more clear how this message applies to you. We have to start, however, by talking and understanding about what it meant to be the high priest. Joshua was the high priest. If you understand, we're going to start the journey there, and we're going to go through, we're going to get to the truth at the end, the lesson at the end, with the, with the statement. If you understand it, I will encourage you to act upon that understanding. Preaching is supposed to bring you to a point of decision. Now, it's your decision. I am not going to force you to do anything. I can't. But if you understand this lesson about God, I am going to encourage you to act upon that. And depending on your situation, there's going to be two different ways that you can can decide, two different ways that you can act. And I'll, I'll, I'll lead you in that way if you would let me. But let's first understand what it meant to be the high priest. There was only one high priest in Israel at any given time. You do read in the New Testament, there was a time where there were two high priests, but it's because they completely changed God's order. There's only supposed to be one high priest, hundreds of priests. And a priest's job is to represent the people to the Lord and represent the Lord to the people. The priest's job was to oversee the temple sacrifices, the offerings that took place, and then the high priest was to oversee the priests. So he was the one who had the final say over everything, making sure that everything was in order. One of his main jobs, one of his most important jobs was to administrate what was called the Day of Atonement. Only once a year, Do you remember in the tabernacle or or in the temple, there was an outer court, and then there's an inner court with a holy place, but then there's one very special place in the middle called the most holy place, or called the holy of holies. Only one man was allowed to go into the holy of holies once a year. Guess who it was? High priest. See, you're distracted by people walking in, and I, I wanted to see if you're focusing it. Focus in here. Only the high priest could go in to the most holy place on the day of atonement. Here's simply what I'm trying to bring out. God had a wonderful plan for the high priest. God had an incredible plan if you were the high priest. God had a divine purpose for you if you were the high priest. And one of the greatest ways that this divine purpose was displayed was in the garments that the high priest wore. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 28. The high priest's garments were made of the finest linen. They were embroidered by the most skillful sewers. And they even had, he had a breastplate. He had a breastplate that contained jewels, diamonds and emeralds and all these different, jasper, it had 12 different jewels in the breastplate. And each separate jewel had a tribe of, Israel engraved on it. Another thing that he wore, he had a miter on his head. It's like a headdress of some kind. Depending on the illustration, it could look kind of like a turban or sometimes it just looks like a crown, but it was a a miter. It was a headdress and it had these words on the headdress, holiness unto the Lord. Holiness means to be set apart. It means to belong to someone specifically on the front of the book in your lap are two words, Holy Bible. And that is our way of saying this book belongs to someone. So when God made the high priest uniform, he said, I want you to have something special on your headdress. You belong to me. This person and all he oversees belongs to me. Holiness unto the Lord. An incredible uniform, but it's because God had an incredible plan for him. And that is not what we see in the vision, do we? Joshua's clothed in filthy garments. Here's the problem with that he can't fulfill his divine purpose that way. You cannot go into a holy God's presence while you are filthy. You could only be the high priest if you descended through the line of Aaron. Joshua descended from the line of Aaron. So it's not a qualification problem. And the temple where he would serve is being rebuilt at this moment. So it's not a location problem. And he's breathing. It's not, a, it's not a life problem. It's not an ability problem. He's filthy. And what I want to bring out to you, what I'm trying to bring out, is even though God had a divine purpose for him, even though God had an incredible plan for him, Something happened in Joshua's life that stopped him from being able to fulfill that purpose. You can read Judges, read the book of Judges, read the books of the kings, read the books of Samuel, read the books of Chronicles, read the prophets, and you will see exactly what happened to make Joshua's garments filthy. What you will see over time is the high priest stopped doing his job. They would go years without having Passover. Once a year, they were supposed to have Passover with the Day of Atonement, to atone for the sins of the people. They they would go for years without doing that. That's the high priest's main job! And they wouldn't do it for years. When they would, you read in the Judges, when they would, because one of the priests... um, Parts of the job is when sacrifices and offerings came in, maybe a lamb or or, or a bullock or a goat, that's what they would eat. They would eat portions of it and then they would sacrifice other portions. And the Lord made it very clear in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, these portions are for the priests and these portions are for me. But over time, the high priests and the priests would say, no, we want that portion and we want that portion. It's a better cut of meat. And they would take God's portion for themselves, and they would put the other portions for the Lord. You read in Jeremiah, Jeremiah is one, one of his first censures against the nation, as he says this, "The priests that are active at this moment in the nation are bearing rule by their own means." Well we're going to do it this way. I know the Lord told us to do it this way, but we're going to do it our way. And remember, the priest is supposed to represent God to the people. It's a big deal when somebody who claims the name of the Lord says, This is what we're going to do, and it's not what the Lord said to do. God takes that very seriously. You read in Ezekiel Ezekiel says the high priest even allowed, even started allowing false worship of other gods into the temple. They went up to portions of the temple and they, they painted images of other gods on the temple walls under the high priest's watch. Ladies would come into the temple and they would worship other heathen gods and he would let it happen. Now, this is not Joshua specifically. Remember, this is a vision. So Joshua is representing. Joshua is representing the office of the high priest. And if he's representing the office of the high priest, he's also representing the nation as a whole. And what I'm trying to bring out is his garments were filthied over time because the office was not cared for. God's instructions were not followed. They even started instituting child sacrifice. The high priests would oversee. There was a God, there was an idol that was built and his name was Molech. And the historian said that Molech had iron hands sticking out, and they would, they would light a fire under those hands until they got white hot, and they would put babies on the hands, beat drums as loudly as they could to drown out the screams. And the high priest allowed it. Zachariah sees, he sees Joshua standing before God not in the uniform that God wanted for him but in filthy not dirty not torn not tattered filthy garments if you look up that word filthy it's talking about it's talking about sewage it's talking about stink it's talking about putrefaction it's absolutely unacceptable this is how God describes him. He describes him as a brand. Do you, see, do you see that? Is not this a brand? Now, we're not talking about, I know you're down in Texas, and you're like, oh, yeah, the thing that you put on the cow. No. A, a brand is kindling. It's a dry stick that's used in a fire. Now, do you see how God describing Joshua as a brand is very telling because before a brand can, be, can ever become kindling, let's go back in time. At one point, it was alive, wasn't it? Every dead stick was once alive because it was attached to something living. But then something detached it. And as it was detached, what, what happens to a stick once it's detached from the tree? Over time, what's gonna happen? It's gonna wither. It's going to dry and it's gonna become easier and easier to burn. God in the vision is saying, Joshua, at one point, and you're representing the entire nation, at one point, y'all were very close to me. At one point, you were attached to me, but something detached you, something separated you from me. And you can make an argument for what it, I'll tell you what it was. It was messing around with sin, Sin always separates, sin always separates, but it doesn't just separate, it withers you. You have been detached and you keep playing with it, you keep playing with it, it withers you, it withers you, it withers you. Let me tell you what sin does, sir. Let me tell you what sin does, ma'am. It separates you from God and it makes you easier to burn. That's what sin does. And God all throughout history was patient with Israel, was he not, patient. Sending prophets after prophets, turn back, turn back, repent, repent, repent. Stop playing with fire. And they didn't listen. And if you play with fire, if you put a dry stick in fire, what is going to happen? It's inevitable. It's going to burn. And the day came where Israel got burned badly. God chose Ezekiel. I'm done. I'm done. His presence leaves the temple. And as soon as his presence leaves the temple, things go bad. An army comes in, invades, the city's ransacked, the temple is torn down. The place where God said, that's my presence, that's where I'm gonna dwell with you, it's torn down. The place where this is where you're gonna sacrifice and atone for your sins, it's torn down, gone. All the gold stripped, all the jewels gone, all the silver gone, all the bronze gone and the nation of Israel is taken captive for 70 years. By the time we get to this vision, the 70 years is over. A small group of Israelites has gone back to Jerusalem. They've started to rebuild the temple again. It's a shell of what it used to be, but they've started to rebuild the temple again and the office of the high priest is reinstituted. We are making some good progress here, but God makes it clear in this vision, the nation is corrupted. Do we see that? Do we see that? You are clothed, in my mind, you are clothed in filthy garments. You have to picture Joshua standing before God. And why is he standing before God? Why is Joshua standing before God? Is it too hard to understand that he wants to serve? Why would he leave Babylon in the first place? He wants to get back to where he was. He wants to fulfill the divine purpose. But he's unable to because sin has burned him. He's messed around with sin, sin got a hold of him, chewed him up, and spit him out. And annoyingly, not surprisingly, but annoyingly, Joshua is not standing before the Lord alone. There's Satan. You know, I only see Satan four times in the Old Testament you would think he would be more present. I see him in the garden. I see him implied in in other areas, but you can count on two hands how many times Satan shows up in the Old Testament. I see him in the garden. I see him with Job. I see him at the end of 1 Chronicles when he tempts David to number the people, and I see him here. And Satan is there to, here's the word, to resist, to resist him. Because once again, Joshua wants to get back. He wants to serve. But the devil knows if this guy gets back and the sacrifices are reinstituted and God's instructions are starting to be followed again, Messiah is going to come through this line. I got to stop this. I'm going to resist him like a prosecutor would resist a defendant. What do you think the devil said? What do you think the devil said about Joshua? I don't know the exact words, but I'll, I'll tell you that he told the truth. You know that the devil's a liar, right, ma'am? You know the devil's a liar. Sir, you know the devil's a liar, but there's one instance he doesn't have to lie. When we're standing before God, filthy, all Satan does is tell the truth of what we've done. Oh, I saw him proud last week. I saw him lush yesterday. I heard him lie today. I heard him gossip two weeks ago. I heard him curse this. I've seen the bitterness. All he has to do is tell the truth. Behold the one that you have such plans for. Look at your high priest, God. Look at your high priest. Is he what you wanted? I've seen what he's done. I've heard what he said. I've watched him run from you. I watched what detached him from you. And now look at him. Now, I want to bring something out to you. You need to understand the same devil, the same devil that enticed him to sin is now accusing him. The same devil that assisted him in sinning now resisted him now that he sinned. The very word Satan, the very name Satan means adversary. Satan is the one that convinces you to play in the street and then laughs at you when you get hit by a car. He's not your friend. He's not your friend. He does not care about you. He'll tell you that he does. He will offer you pleasure. He will offer you joy. He will offer you happiness. But then as soon as sin burns you, he laughs at you. And he turns on you. And you don't have to trust me on that. A lot of you have been through it. And I want you to picture how Satan is saying to the Lord, His past is disgusting, his present is vile, and therefore his future should be worthless to you. And Joshua would have to say he's right. I'm a mess, I'm a mess. There's no getting around it. He's not hiding his garments. You know, the Bible says, whoever tries to cover his sin shall not prosper. Even if he could put another garment over his sin, could he stop the smell? And you might be able to hide it from God, or from man. You might be able to hide it from mom and dad and brothers and sisters. But when you stand before God who is light and in him is no darkness at all, there's no hiding. And he would have to say, this, Satan is right. But here's where it gets good. <laughs> you have Joshua wanting to serve, but unable because he's filthy. And you have Satan accusing him, wanting God to rebuke Joshua. But when God speaks, he doesn't say, the Lord rebuke thee, Joshua. He says, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Can you imagine Satan's surprise? He's probably smiling, looking at Joshua. Oh, he's about to get it. The Lord rebuke thee. Oh yeah. O Satan. what? The Lord, and here is where he asks, God asks an incredible question. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? I want to explain this. Church, you've already answered it, but if you're going to take a dry stick, put it in the fire, what's going to happen to it? It's going to get burned. If you pluck it out of the fire, what is it going to look like? It's going to be smoldering It's going to be smoking. It's going to be damaged. That's what happens to a brand when it's put in the fire. Do you see what God is asking? Satan, you're accusing this man of having filthy garments and looking like this and smelling like this. What do you expect somebody who has been through the fires of sin to look like? What do you expect? Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire and you're telling me he's smoking and is burned? No, duh. What do you expect? That's like, that's like somebody jumping off a cliff and then someone coming, he's bruised and bloody. Well, what do, you ex- <laughs> what do you expect, man? He got hit by a truck. Oh, he's got broken bones. Well, what do you expect? And God is asking Satan, what do you expect somebody who's played with sin to look like? Let me ask you, this is a a question from God to Satan, but let me ask you, ma'am, what do you expect to look like when you play with sin? Sir, what do you expect to look like when you play with sin? It separates you from God. If you're going to separate, you're going to wither. And if you wither, you're going to be easier to burn. What do you expect to come from sin in your life? Are you surprised that you look in the mirror and you see guilt? That's what happens. Are you surprised when you look at your marriage and your marriage is falling apart? That's what happens. Are you surprised when you see bitterness welling up in your heart? That's what happens. Are you surprised when it gets more and more difficult to understand and follow God's word? That's what happens. That's what sin does. When you put a brand in the fire, it will be burned. And when you put a life in sin, it will be damaged. But the glorious truth I'm trying to bring out is when Satan called for punishment and when Joshua deserved punishment, God showed pity. He showed pity. Even as a father pitieth his children, Psalm 103 says, even as a father pitieth his children, so does the heavenly father pity those that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. So I'm telling you, if you're here like Joshua and you want to be close to the Lord, you want to fulfill your divine purpose, but you can't because sin has burned you. And you know what it's like to look in the mirror and see something that you don't like to see. You know what it's like to be terrified for other people to know what you're hiding. You dread judgment day because you know you're not ready. You don't like thinking about meeting God because you're afraid of what he'll say. Let me tell you what God sees when he sees a sinner. He sees what he expected to see. He sees what he expected to see. And the devil will come along and say, look at this person, he's addicted. Yeah, that's what sin does. It draws you in and it hooks you. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? What do you expect? Look at them, their marriage is falling apart. Well, what do you expect? Look at them, they're bitter. Well, what do you expect? Look at them, their their language is filthy. Well, what do you expect? That's what sin does. It It entices you, it detaches you, it withers you, and it burns you, and it leaves you scorched. That's what sin does. Here's what God does. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Do you know how many people I hear pastor... I got messed up in so much, there's no reason I should be here today. I guarantee you there are people in this room, your life is falling apart, it's in shambles, and yet you're here today. Why? Why? There are a lot of other people who go through what you are going through and they didn't make it. Why are you here? There are people, even though you're not close to God, for some reason you can't deny that He's working. He's working in your life and He's leading you. You can't deny it. It's God working in your life, plucking you out of the fire, plucking you out of the fire because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God tells Ezekiel, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn from his ways and live, that the wicked would repent and live. Though you have played with the fire and though you have been burned by the fire, the Lord will pluck you out to give you a chance and to give you time to turn to him. Lamentations 3.22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. If you are a sinner messing around with sin and yet you are still here, it is because God wants you. It is because God wants you to repent, wants to give you time, wants to give you time to change. He will pluck you out. Oh, but he doesn't stop there, does he? He doesn't stop there Get him a new change of garments And he looks at Joshua and says Your iniquity, gone Your iniquity, gone Everything you did wrong Every time you said something you shouldn't have Every time you didn't say something that you should have Gone Make it like it never happened Get him new garments Church, that's a big deal that's a big deal. Did Joshua have anything to do with that? Did Joshua say a word in this? Did he plead his case? Did he have any argument? No, God did all of it. God did all of it. I love how Zachariah shows up. He says, what about the fair mitre? What about the headdress, remember? Can we get him that too? Yeah, get him that with holiness unto the Lord on it. He belongs to me. Much to Satan's chagrin, I'm sure. Satan is saying, kick him out of your presence. And God says, well, why don't we just make things new again? Why don't we just start all over? Why don't, we, why don't I buy him back? You know, there's a Bible word for that, redeem. Why don't I buy him back and make all things new? We're about to get to the lesson. We're about to get to the statement in just a little bit. Okay. We'll start, we'll start with the first part. I'll just give it to you now. The Lord loves you so much. He'll take you just as you are. He did not tell Joshua, figure out this whole filthy garment thing and come back. He did not say your garments are filthy. You are damned to hell. He didn't say that. I'll I'll, I'll take you. I will take you just as you are. You know how many people tell me I'm going to fix up my life and then I'll come to the Lord? Come to the Lord. He'll fix up your life. Do you tell the doctor, let me, get, let me get better first and then I'll come? Do you go up to the coach at the gym and say, let me get muscles first and then I'll come? I've tried that. doesn't work. Don't tell, the, don't tell the Savior. Don't tell the Savior, let me change and then I'll come. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because he loves you so much. He loves you so much. I'll buy you just as you are. He died on the cross to shed his blood to redeem you while we were yet sinners. Oh, it sounds too good to be true. Listen, listen, listen. If you are not surprised at what sin does to a person, don't be surprised at what a Savior does to a person. Sin burns people, right? That's what sin does. It's a brand in the fire. What do you think is going to happen? If you're not surprised at what sin does to a person, don't be surprised at what a Savior does to a person. What is God going to say? What is God going to say when he sees me? Now that sin has had its way with me, what is God going to say? He says this. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He knew you were in sin and he died for you anyway. Oh, here's another one. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He says this, If any man be in Christ. If any man be in Christ. If an addicted person be in Christ. If an adulterer be in Christ. If a murderer be in Christ. If a drunkard be in Christ. If a drug addict be in Christ. If a bitter person be in Christ. If a gossiper be in Christ. He is a new creature. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Now that's a great message. That's fantastic. The Lord loves you so much. He will take you just as you are. You just need to come. But what were our words? So much. So much. What is the last thing that Jesus said? What is the last thing that God said to Joshua? See, I I could stop the message here and say, The Lord will take you just as you are. He pities you as a sinner. He understands what sin does to people, and he will make you new. I can preach that, and it's a wonderful message, but it would be incomplete. Because the last thing that God tells Joshua, and the Lord protested. Remember that word, protested? The word protest means to publicly announce your disapproval of past actions. If somebody sees a company do something that they disapprove of, they protest. We are going to publicly announce our disapproval of what they did. The Lord protested unto Joshua. And he said, if you walk in my ways, if you follow me, if you obey, then... I will help you fulfill your purpose. Here's what he's saying. Remember what burned you and don't do it again. Oh, he'll give you new garments, but it doesn't mean he approves of the sin that got you the filthy ones. So much, too much. The Lord loves you so much, he will take you just as you are. He loves you too much to leave you that way. Do you remember when the lady was taken in adultery? Caught in the very act. And those people came up and said, The law says she is to be stoned. The law says she is to be killed. What do you say? And Jesus showed great pity. He that is without sin among you, you cast the first stone. And they went away from the oldest to the youngest. And then he looks at that guilty, adulterous woman... Woman, where are thine accusers? Doth no man condemn thee? And she said, no, no man, Lord. Neither do I condemn thee. Can I tell you about a day when I looked in the mirror? I grew up in church. I never got messed up in drugs or with the law, but I was a sinner. And can I tell you about a day where I came across a Savior and he had every right to condemn me But for some reason, he pitied me. And he said, I won't condemn you. I'll forgive you. But then the same hand that picked me up, the same hand that picked me up and dusted me off, turned me around and pointed me in a new new direction and said, don't do that again. He told the lady, neither do I condemn thee. But did he stop there? Go and sin no more. He loved her so much to take her just as she was. Loved her too much to leave her that way. My friend, all I'm telling you is if you're looking for change in your life, Jesus has that change for you. He has that change for you. Now here, here remember I said if you understood it, I'm going to encourage you to act on it. If you are standing with filthy garments in front of him, here's what you need to do. Lord, pluck me out of the fire. I played with fire, I separated myself from you, and now I've gotten burned, pluck me out. Save me, make me new again. Take that step toward him. What would stop you? Don't be afraid. Be not afraid of what he's going to say. You see what he said. What do you expect a sinner to look like? You haven't surprised me. Why do you think I died? Why do you think I gave my son? So that you could be saved. Do not let the devil tell you, you're a sinner, you don't deserve saving. Being a sinner is what makes you eligible for a Savior. If you are not a sinner, you don't need a Savior. Right. And if there is no sin, what grace has forgiveness? But then, if you have had those new garments, but you're, you're messing around in the same sin that burned you in the first place, you've got to give it up. That's not why the Lord saved you. That's not why the Lord gave you new garments so that you could just go and play with the same fire that burned you to begin with. He protests to you today. I disapprove of that. My forgiveness does not mean approval. I simply just want to give you a chance to live for the one who died for you. I feel I could say so much more, but I'm done. Do you remember a time where the Lord gave you new garments? Do you remember a time when he forgave you of all your sin? If you don't, I'm inviting you today to meet somebody who will change your life, who will take you just as you are. He loves you just as you are so much, but too much to keep you that way. Step by step, little by little, He'll change your life. This room is filled with people whose lives are changed by Jesus Christ. And I invite you to come and meet him today. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.